All right, roll for initiative. The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on a roll again. Tabletop, lot motion, everything in between. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is to have have fun. fun. I'm Ryan. (laughs) I am am the curmudgeon, and joining me as always is Carrie the legend. Hello. And Jason the favorite. Uh, Also, the one who knows for a fact that he doesn't have COVID on Thursday. (laughs) I mean, in theory, I could have caught it in the week it took for the test to come. Well, before we get into gaming, uh, let's get a quick report about our Patreon backers. Do we have them? We do have them. Oh, we like that. We do. Yay. Cool. All right. That's it? Yep. Hey, I think we should mention some of them. So we have a Patreon what? and you can uh, go to patreon.com slash honor roll podcast. And for just a few dollars or else, or else uh, for just a few dollars uh, a month, you can help keep this podcast going. It helps to pay all the hosting and domain bills and things like that. And also pays for the equipment and uh, sometimes even buys us dinner before we record. Uh, and but some, not anymore, but not, not right now. No. Yeah. Right now we're social distancing. Uh, but when it does do those things, we really appreciate it. And you can uh, get free stuff by doing it. You can get shout outs on this podcast, like the, f- like the folks that we're about to talk about. Oh, these are a wizard level and yeah. above. All right. Who we got? We've got Josh Heath with Werewolf the Podcast. Ooh. It's my favorite podcast. Is it? Well, it's my favorite podcast I'm on. Okay. okay. That's fair. Yeah. Hey, wait. When are you going to be on Mage? Uh, Carrie? Uh, hopefully I'm going to record this week or next week. Abracadabra. Uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> We've also got Joel Eastland, who is, uh, you know, super fireman. He is super fireman. I hope he's staying safe. Yeah. We also have Salim Alabi. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was. That I've was. Been practicing all week. Nice. All right, and we've got Ryan Martin and Drew Stevens, who I sent out their postcards this week. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, we they, they were returned to us, and so I had to resend them out. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. We've also got Ryan Galliato of Byways LARP, who, by the way, looks dapper. He does. He always looks dapper. He always looks dapper. Yeah. This he, is- he actually has, ma- uh, he had, um, he's got bow ties that match his masks. That's pretty dapper. Yeah, it's pretty dapper. Sweet. I wonder if he had to buy the ties to match or the mask. Or, or was it a set? I'm pretty sure it was a set he had made. Nice. Oh, okay. That's great. Cameron Pruitt. My favorite. That's what Who say. has a lot of mixed feelings about uh, Disney World opening. I know. Oh, I know. Goodness. I don't, I mean, that's, it's rough. Like it is it's, rough. It's, you know, if it's your favorite place in the world, but it's also a, you know, death trap. Right. <laughs> Only for 1% of the people who go. Oh, my gosh. All right, what about Noah Coltrip? Glad you asked. This week, Noah is visiting Mechanicsville, Virginia. (laughs) 
He's going He's going to what looks like the skeleton of an open-air chapel sitting on the side of a rural road. Locals call it the Ghost Church. It's really more of a suggestion of a building than an actual building. It's nothing but white beams that comprise the structure where once there was a pole green church. Samuel Morris, a local brick mason in Hanover, began offering his home to family and neighbors to read the Bible, and it eventually became this church. The dissenters, uh, they were dissenters because it was a time when having an Anglican church, you know, could get you in jail. Uh, they used this pole green church in 1764 as a meeting house. Eventually it got burned down. <laughs> what? Just randomly? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like there's not more drama. I mean, it was there for like a hundred years. Good it, for It was burned, burned down during the Civil War. Oh, so, well, you know, a lot of things burned. Now it's war. just framework. Oh. Framework of a ghost church. A go- okay, that is kind of creepy. Noah, that's really creepy. Why would you go there? That okay. looks like installation art. He goes wherever he's needed. Finally, we have the patron saint of the podcast, Sarah. Well, if you'd like a shout out, we'd love to give you one and you can get one by helping us keep the show on the air by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash honor podcast. Yay. Well, when last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were sitting right here on this Zoom call recording a podcast. And here we are again. But in that time, Jason, what have you been up to? Well, so because I was potentially exposed to COVID, I've not really been up to much except a lot of uh, day drinking. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the problem with day drinking is, is that like if you drink all day and don't do anything but watch like uh, – potentially entertaining, but ultimately like not amazing Netflix shows. You get really depressed in the evening and you think, you know what really picked me up right now? A couple of drinks. Night drinking. You know where, where I'm from, where I'm from day drinking always ends with like binging pawn stars. No, no, not pawn stars. That's not my jam. (laughs) uh, Like I I finished, uh, 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 warrior nun, which, uh, like, it's not amazing, but it's a great Netflix show. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, you're saying that it's very mediocre and does it well. It Right. It does a great <laughs> job at being mediocre, and right. it's pretty well cast. All right. Uh, and, and I watched The Old Guard, uh, which that was uh, was pretty good, you know, yeah, completely heard- carried by the acting. The story was just okay. Yeah, I've heard it was okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I would watch it again, given time. Given enough day drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. But I did watch Hamilton, which is as good as everybody says it is. It's ridiculously good. I didn't care for the parts without the singing. Well, it's that's what all of like uh, six, seven seconds. Yeah, I'm not crazy about those. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably the the last movie I cried in since uh, Coco. So I, I really enjoyed it. it. The only thing about it that made me angry is the thought that uh, the the, the, the one they used to make the uh, the Disney Plus movie for, they filmed it like five years ago. And I'm like, why the fuck did we just now get to watch this? Yeah. This is an important <laughs> thing. And, and uh, I don't have 
$200 and a trip to New York to watch this with, you know, it's, that was frustrating. Sure. Mm -hmm. Should have been out at the movies like five years ago. That's all I'm saying. It was supposed to be out at the movies this year. Yeah. But obviously, but still it's five years later. (laughs) They could have done it the next summer and it would have been, I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I get frustrated about lack of access to culture. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. As an artist, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know what? I like art stores better than I like art museums because art stores are free to go to, and usually the people there are super nice, especially if you tell them, I'm just here to look. And they're like, oh, let me show you something that I love. And they take you to their favorite thing there and tell you all about it. Oh, you it. mean like a gallery? Uh, yeah, I guess that's, is that what you call it? Yeah. I, I don't know. You yes. said art store Gallery. and I thought you meant Michael's and I was like, well, okay. No, you know I mean? I'm not, not going to. No, those people can be helpful. Yeah, they can be. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to, Carrie? Well, I thought I was all done with my commissions. Yay. And then a certain someone gave me three more portraits to paint. Mm-hmm. Yay. So I've been working on some more gun belt art. I'm going to be honest. I'm thinking that maybe we should have started doing some day drinking to deal with that TV show that we've been trying to get through. Which one? What is it called again? Tales from the Loop. Oh, my God. Based on the successful role-playing game. Based on the successful artist. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I get the need for artsy things in movies <laughs> and TV shows. Right. But it's like... 58 minutes of a raindrop crawling down a plane of window glass, but with less story. <laughs> Wait, what? what is this? <sighs> Have you not watched Tales from the Loop, Jason? No, no, I haven't. Everybody talks about it, but I haven't watched it yet. Oh, so you're f- really slow. You've heard of the role-playing game, right? Yes, and I've heard, I know that Amazon has a series. Yeah, so it's on Amazon, and it's like eight episodes. They're about 50 (laughs) minutes each. They feel about six lifetimes each. And the problem is that they are trying so hard to be independent filmmaker artsy, and Ah. they're trying so hard that that's all they're successful at. And the acting and the story never, ever connects. It's just, look how artsy we are. You know, it's like that, Terrence, that it's Terrence Malick at his worst. <laughs> what else has he done? Uh, he's the guy that did um, the Thin Red Line. And yeah, so he's done like he did like the Tree of Life was a couple of years ago. Oh, OK. Um, even for for the artists. Yeah, no, it was rough. Like, yeah, last night, Ryan, Ryan was all, all right, we're on the last one. I was like, all right, let's just power through and be done with this series. And then there was two more. And then, and then Netflix was like, would you like to watch the next one or wherever it's on? And I was like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. I thought we were done. <laughs> so what I started doing, and it helped, this helped, was every time they did a shot that was just clearly there just because they wanted us to go, oh, look, we're artsy. It was like those awkward moments in... Uh, um, in the the new Superman, the Man of Steel movie. Oh yeah, you know where it was like, look, it's a shot of the swing set with the swing blowing in the wind, and so I. St- oh yes, right. <laughs> and so, except at least that went somewhere. But so every time they did a shot like that, I just started going arts. <laughs> <laughs> it helped. It did. It helped. He said it a lot. Art. <laughs> I don't. I don't I, 
think the only one of these I've seen it might be Tree of Life. Nope, nope, I haven't seen it. Hmm. I've heard of that one at least. So the weird thing about Terrence Malick is that filmmakers and actors think that he is the most brilliant person to ever make a movie. And he only makes a movie like every, you know, 10 years or something. So it happens very rarely and everybody clamors and desperately wants to be in his movies. So when a movie comes out, like, and you look at the cast list for it, it's like every actor you've ever seen in anything. Cause they've all begged him to be in his next film. And they're like, they're, they're just boring. They're so excruciating. Slow. Art. So Ryan. Yes. What have you been up to? I have been working uh, on the gun belt still. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I've made some progress. I got the entire, the everything in the, the introduction uh, is finished, except for there's a small part about safety and consent. It's not the entire safety and consent piece. It's just a little part of it uh, that specifically deals with, with a couple of topics that are in, you know, that the book kind of has to brush against, like the difference between uh, indentured servitude and slavery. Yeah. Because sure. we do not have slavery in our game, but we do have indentured servitude. Right. Yeah. You know, and so like, so we're going to hire out somebody who has a little more expertise with that to make sure that that little safety pieces is, is great. Good. But, okay. But the rest of the introduction is finished, which is a big deal because introdu the introduction chapter of any role playing game book is like uh, the worst. <laughs> right. Do you, well, mean, do you mean to read or write? Well, nobody reads them. So there's, yeah. so it's, it's so weird that we even have them, but like, you know, it's like the first part of the chapter is. What is a role-playing game? Mm -hmm. What is the gun belt? What is a player? What is a storyteller? Yeah. What is this book? What do you use it for? Mm -hmm. You know, like, and, and they're, they're these really silly things that, like, you have to put in there, but, no, you know, like, one person will ever read it, ever. Or one person will ever need it. Right. It'll be, my mom will read it, because she's yeah. like, my son wrote this, I'm gonna read this whole thing. Oh, come on, let's be truthful now. She's not gonna read it. She'll, right. read She'll buy that. it. Yeah, but your mom will read it. Yeah, that my part, mom will so. read it and then call me and go, what does he mean by this? Actually, she'll call you and go, I feel like I understand him now. Yeah, that's true. She did yeah. say that last time she read so, something you wrote. <laughs> but anyway, the, the point... <laughs> it was super cute. Yeah. So the, the point is, though, it is a really, really... I, I felt like it was the hardest piece of writing for the gun belt that I've had to do. Okay. And so when I finished it, I felt like really good. Right. You know, I mean, and it's like almost 6,000 words. So it's not like, uh, I mean, it's not a giant chapter, but it's not small. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's a good, good hunk of verbiage. It's so. a start. Yeah. So I was glad to, glad to see that yeah. done. So, but that's kind of, that's really kind of it. And I know that you did a, um, a flow chart of the who's who. <laughs> yeah, I've been putting together a flowchart of who's who in the leadership of Levacor so that we can kind of understand how the government comes together. Uh, that's what led us to discover that we had missed uh, a couple people mm -hmm. when Carrie was doing the, the leadership paintings. Mm -hmm. So, And I felt really bad about that because I truly, honestly didn't realize we missed them. <laughs> well, it's only funny because I made a huge deal about going, there are no more, right? You're, you get, go double check, make sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well, well there we go. what do you kids say? We uh, go to combat rounds. I'm feeling combat -y. All right.
Welcome to Combat Rounds. How you doing? Combat Rounds. <laughs> All right. Well, today, this one kind of comes by request a little bit. Somebody, uh, somebody came to Carrie, and they were all, "You're so great." That's not what exactly. I love you so much. Okay, that's true. <laughs> tell, tell me how you do this stuff, cause it's so good. They were like, "I've never had any one NPC anything as good as you do," and I said, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say that you remember we used to get people who came into their game, and they wouldn't care about the plot or uh the, the other you know anything else that's going on in game the props we made or anything but they'd be like that five minutes i role played with a wine bottle were the best five minutes i've played in six months <laughs> are you talking about the vampire game when they awoke the wine bottle yeah uh, there was multiple times when we had somebody <laughs> like well and then we interrogated a squirrel and carrie did that for 20 minutes and it was the best part of the game. We found out nothing. I once, oh my gosh, I was once in a scene with Carrie where she was storytelling. It was a werewolf game and we awoke the spirit of a rock. <laughs> and and we, we woke the spirit of the rock up and we said, hey rock, how's it going? And the rock said, Is they spent like an hour talking to it. And they just it, let me do this for an hour. It it was uh, it was like a Netflix show, you know. It was. It was really, really artsy. Good at being mediocre. It was art. Art. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, somebody somebody gave Carrie a compliment, and so she yeah. took the, she took the show over. I did. I was like, let's talk about me more. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to talk today about what, uh, we're going to talk about NPCs, why they're important and how to do them better. Wait, 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 wait. What is an NPC? I don't know. Jason, what's an NPC? Well, traditionally it means non-player characters. So it's anybody not being played by a player at the table and instead played by the storyteller or dungeon master. Though the term is a lot more complicated nowadays with players taking on the facade of some other NPC instead of just their character. Are you reading this from something? No, that's off the top of my head. Was <laughs> very well put together. Good very, job. You're a good man and thorough. And thorough. I kind of think, uh, you know, um, a long time ago. Oh, boy. Here we I, go. I wrote a book. Oh, no. Anyway, but in the book, I kind of talk about how like I believe there's sort of three types of NPCs, and I still kind of feel that way. And so if it's if we can, you know, rub my ego just a little bit. Whoa. We're not that kind of podcast. Okay. All right. Uh, Maybe so, we'll be more popular. That, yeah, that's well. <laughs> true. That is true. All right. They'll be a little bit rubbing, but not on our end. All right. So I kind of think that uh, there's three kinds of of non-player characters right there's filler enemies and allies mm -hmm. i think and just about any sort of npc that you would possibly run is going to fall into one of these three categories so I, the the first one is filler and i think fillers are are like your bartenders your waiters uh they're just like the peasant on the street the the, the guy selling fruit um you know the my cabbages guy in, oh, in the avatar he's, cartoons he's like the best one right yes. 
you know, the girl you meet at the bus stop or the alien that tells you where the cantina is. Like these are like the, the, the NPCs that just sort of fill space in your universe that you're running, uh, as a storyteller. Um, you know, they just sort of exist to populate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so they're the ones that they might initiate like random nothing conversations. Uh, they're the folks that are actually making the world function. <laughs> you know, they're the ones sort of, they have jobs, they go to work, you know, things like that. So that the town exists when your, your players get there. And almost always they, they do not have a name. That's why they're all named so Bob. All of them. There's, they're sort of like background people. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you were to shoot a movie, you would have extras. a bunch of extras. Yeah. And they're just standing in a crowd. Right. Absolutely. They're and the flavor. And some of them have speaking roles, you yeah. know, um, but for the most part though, they, they aren't going to have a name. They're just going to, you're going to say, bring me a mead and they'll go. Yes, sir. Now I'd like to make a little note to anyone that's running a game. Your players will ask their names. Yes. <laughs> because players are all jerks. And when I'm a player, I'm a jerk. And I will ask the name of the the bartender. Ask the name of the waiter. Ask an, and, you know, just be prepared. They're going to ask names because that's what they do. Some advice I read a while back was, while obviously you're not going to be able to name every single person in your game and keep track of it, the more of them that you can, the more like a real world that the uh, game will feel like to the players and that you'll be able to move them to one of the other categories over time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, filler characters can become enemies or, or allies. Well, to go back to Avatar, the that, cabbage guy. Yeah, that cabbage guy would have totally been their ally. And then they kept destroying his cabbage. And then he becomes an enemy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, but, so, but. But ultimately, filler NPCs are, they are the least of these, you know? Um, and, and something funny, too, I read once that uh, a great thing to do with your game is to just have a, uh, spend some time before game. If, if you don't prep anything else about your game, prep a list of names that fit your <laughs> world. Just make a right. list. And then when somebody, when some evil jerky player like, I don't know, <laughs> Carrie what? is, is like, uh. What? I need to know the bartender's name. You can go, um, Bob. Oh, Bob. <laughs> so if it's a, this is obviously not quite so hard. If you're running a game in the, a modern setting, like if you're running a World of Darkness game, uh, you know, I always named, I mean, we have, we've talked about this before. I always used for these random filler NPCs. I always used names of classmates from when I was in high school. Which was really weird when we went to your class reunion. Because <laughs> you were like, I know these people. I know these people, and he's not a vampire. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, but, but yeah. is he? Or is dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, have a little cheat sheet. It's an easy thing. But for the yeah. most part, though, really, filler, filler characters don't have names. They don't have much other than just an occupation, if that. And yeah, and usually, like, one personality trait. Like, you know, the, the waitress is giggly as she hands you her, you know, your drink or whatever. Right. Yeah. So the next uh, category, I guess, so to speak, is is enemies. Uh, maybe we could call this antagonists. Yeah, I think that's is better. maybe a better yeah. word than enemies. But these are like uh, these characters are are characters who are like rivals of player characters or like old nemesis. Uh, they might be like a a cell sword. You know, like a stormtrooper. Strangely enough, would be a cell sword in Star Wars. You know, like somebody who is just paid by the bad guys to mm. to go do the thing. Uh, you know, henchmen. The army men, scoundrels, those sort of things. Uh, essentially, these are 
these are NPCs who are important to the story in some way, even if it's minor, right? Because yeah. a, a filler character is is important to your world, but not your story. Yes, and these are important to the story. Yeah. Um, and they're usually trying to hinder your players. Antagonize them, you might say. What? <laughs> what? Well, I, I'd also like to point out that you can have an NPC that is both a protagonist and an antagonist at the same time. You mean a, a, like a, a somebody who's like, I'll give you this information, but I have my own needs and other things like that. Um, That or it literally like I've... I, right before this, we did this podcast, I asked on my Facebook, hey, everybody, what's the most favorite NPCs I ever ran? Because I just wanted to get some feedback to start rolling in my head to think about stuff. And I had several people tell me after laugh, this character after laugh I played was their favorite. And then I had someone tell me that after laugh was, you know, their their most hated NPC they ever had to deal with because he was always snarky to them and was always, you know, against whatever they said. And, you know, so like NP NPCs, even as enemies don't have to be like, um, they can be frenemies. They can be frenemies. And that's the best. One of the beauties of werewolf and other games like that is that you can have a lot of people that are rivals that have no interest in ending your character or even necessarily making their lives worse. But they still oppose you. Yeah. And I think also you can have characters, NPCs in those games who are maybe, uh, they oppose you, but are in favor of your goal. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, like you're trying to save the world. I'm not going to stop you with I'm that. I'm part of the world. I also hate you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Personally. Yeah. Like if, if this thing I sell you so that you can go save the world enables you to save the world, but is also going to result in you dying too, you know, okay, whatever. I'll just charge extra. Arts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So these antagonists, they, they typically uh, have some sort of skill or knowledge, uh, power, influence, you know, over something that, that can or might or will you know, negatively impact uh, at least one of the player characters. Yes. If not the whole party. They also usually have goals. Yeah. And a lot I think of times they the goals. must have goals if they're going to be interesting. Well, and we also should probably point out that not all enemies have to be villains. I know we've talked about the difference between <laughs> bad, guys. bad guys and villain. And bad guys are enemies. And villains are also enemies, but it's. A bad guy's a stormtrooper. Yeah. A, yeah. a villain is Darth Vader. Yeah, you know, you, you know more about them. They're more interesting. Right. But even stormtroopers have goals. Like the stormtrooper, the right. goal of a stormtrooper is shoot the rebels. Don't let the rebels escape. Mm -hmm. Right? That's their goal. Um, so let's, let's talk about allies for a second. Uh, allies is the last category. And these are kind of the opposite of antagonists. You know, allies are like the old friend you've got in town or an information broker or mm -hmm. maybe your mom. Uh, it could be the sheriff. Your mom. You know, the, the a good guy sheriff, uh, an old mentor. It could just be even like a lady that helps you just simply because her husband was killed by the bad guys. Oh, those jerks. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, much like the enemy or much like the antagonists, an ally is also important to the story in some way, even if it's minor. Uh, except for them, an ally is trying to be helpful to players. Maybe not straightforward helpful, but helpful. Right. Yeah. It may cost you something. Everybody has their own motivations and their own desires. So, And, and that, I think, is really what you just said. 
what you just said, I think, is the really interesting difference between an antagonist and an ally is an antagonist will have goals, but not necessarily motivation. And an ally usually has motivation, but doesn't always have goal. Well, because the PCs should have the goals. Because the PCs are the ones with the goals. Yeah. Right. So like with the with the antagonist, you know, a stormtrooper has a goal. Shoot the rebels. But what do we know about that stormtrooper's motivations? Nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, very, very little, nothing. Probably I don't want Darth Vader to kill me. But right. besides that. Yeah. You know, whereas an ally doesn't have an ally might be um, like a, a rebel, a rebel soldier. Mm-hmm. Right now, a rebel soldier, they don't have a, a specific goal, um, but they have a motivation. The motivation is keep the evil galactic empire from taking over the galaxy. Right. Right there. And that's kind of their goal. But but really, the goal lays in the, the PC's hands. Mm-hmm. The, you know, Luke Skywalker is the one with the goal. And so that's kind of the one of the interesting things about about antagonists and allies is, is well, the, the goal motivation. PC should always be the heroes of the game. Right, and that's and why that, their their goals matter. Right, and so NPCs need to be support. Yeah. I really like that because the difference is is that as antagonists, you're opposing the NPCs. So you need to have reasons, you need to have goal. I mean, you need to have the whole thing. But just someone is helping you for the purposes of making sure that the PCs are the highlight of the story. You don't want them to have strong strong goals maybe. Right, but, but you definitely want them to have complex motivations. Yeah, they have so to that be the motivated. Can interact with them on a, a, a equal level. Yeah, they have to be motivated to help. Yes, but they don't have to have the goal of, you know, driving the the stake into the v- vampire's heart themselves. Okay, I like it. Yeah. So, what are some of the differences between? Uh, NPCs, you know, the show kind of talks, we talk about live action role-playing games, you know, LARPs. We also talk about tabletop games. And then we also even talk about mush. Which uh, is text-based role-playing. And so, so what is, what are the differences in an NPC, in NPCs between those mediums? I'm going to say the biggest difference for me between LARP and tabletop NPCs is I'm far more likely to have more NPCs in a tabletop game because all I need is a couple of note cards to keep general information about them on. Whereas in a LARP, I usually have to have a costume piece and uh, a little more in-depth motivation. And because of that, I tend to be more well-rounded NPCs in LARP, whereas in tabletop, not all of them are. Because I, I, I can just do more of them easily. It's funny because I, I completely agree with you for a slightly different reason. But like, right. I, I, I'm, this, I'm exactly the same way. I have way more NPCs in my tabletop game. And it's actually because of what we choose, at what I choose as a storyteller to be important enough to garner screen time, so to speak. Right. So like in a tabletop game, if Carrie's char- Carrie as a player says, my character goes to the, goes to the store to buy... Uh, you know, this to buy a gun. I need a gun. Okay. Uh, which store do you go to? And we'll talk about what store she goes to, and then she'll go, and I'll role play being the the person selling her the gun and all that stuff. In a LARP, for us to move to a different location requires us to go get a separate room, you know, a private room, so that uh, other characters aren't interrupting or knowing what she's doing. It requires there's there's a different level of physical movement involved 
and stuff. And so like in a LARP, I might be a, be more inclined to just go, do you have the resources to do it? Hand wave it. Is your character a felon? Okay, yeah, you can go to Walmart and get a gun. You know, it's Tennessee. Anyone can go to Walmart and get a gun. <laughs> right? And so, but, but that's a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas in a tabletop game, I'd probably run it. Right. And like in a mush, it could go either way. It really, you know, for, for a much, it really just depends on what the player wants. Right. You know, hey, can I, can I go get a gun somewhere? Well, you know, let me look at your sheet. You can, do you want to run the scene or do you want me to just give it to you? Right. You know, and so it's, it's almost like an in between the two. Sure. I, I think for me, another, another difference between them is that, uh, um, in a, a LARP, you, in, in a LARP and a mush, the NPC may be played by multiple storytellers or yes. wizards. Yes. Whereas in a tabletop game, I, as the DM or the storyteller, will be the only person to run that character. And so it does. I design the NPCs just a little different because I have mm-hmm. that in mind. So like, f- because I know that in a LARP or in a mush, any other member of staff or even a narrator who is running it uh, may pick up that NPC to run them for a minute. I know that I need to give them... Uh, in art, we'd call it like, you know, something to hang the pencil on. I need to give some sort of iconic character trait for th- so that they can immediately sort of just slip into that character a little bit. So like, you know, well, the guy at the store, you know, he is uh, uh, he's a grumpy old man who walks with a walker really, really almost comedically slow. Anyone can run that description yeah. and be close enough for government work. Yes. <laughs> right. Whereas I might do something completely different in a tabletop game because I only have to satisfy myself in my own memory and write it down. And, you know, I've, I've not run, I've not actually run a tabletop game ever. Really? Yeah. Um, oh, but- that's not true. You won your, you ran your tra- crazy version of other strangeness. Oh, you did, but you didn't use any of the rule- oh, rules. Oh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, that was kind of more like just we improved. I don't know. <laughs> I was oh, like, I, I was like, there's too many numbers in this book. I'm 15. That's still true. <laughs> um, now I feel like we need to have you run something and then we live stream it for everybody oh to God, see. Why would you do that to me? Two know. weeks from now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. And it's going to be something with lots of math. See, now now I've completely lost my train of thought. We're, you're going to be running. So I have no idea what. you're planning the game. Carrie, Amazing. you'll be running GURPS for GURPS. us. <laughs> this, is, this is what you guys get. I have no idea where I was going with that now. Well, well wait. Look, obviously she should run Mutants and Masterminds. <laughs> well, we were just talking. We were just talking about uh, NPCs. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Jackass. Oh my gosh. <sighs> we talked about, you know, you talked about having like almost like a cheat sheet. Like this is, you know, the old man would walk with a walker yeah, yeah. and, and all these things. And, uh, you know, the three of us were on a staff where we played an NPC where all we had to do, we had different props for each NPC. Mm-hmm. The, uh, and if, it was, if this very... NPC hat, if, if you see a storyteller wearing this hat, yeah, literally this baseball hat, you know that it is NPC X. And and it does not take long for players to pick up that language mm-hmm. to be able to go, oh, you know, one of our players or one of the staff is wearing the creepers robe. 
So it must be the creeper. And so the creeper is in the corner. And we didn't have to stop the scene to go, everyone, right now I am playing the creeper. You know, like everyone just knew. And, uh, you know, players are smart. You don't have to always break scene to tell them things like that. You know, they pick up on those cues. Sure. Any other differences that you all can think of? I think that in Mush, you can get a lot more um, emotional with your NPCs. Um, You know, we've talked about the difference between LARP tabletop and Mush. Everything in between. And everything in between. (laughs) We've talked about the differences with um, being able to connect. Like how how Mush tends to be a more um, emotional game. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you can, you know, that also applies with NPCs. You know, you, you can have way stronger emotions with your PC to an NPC in a mush, I think, than you can in a LARP and then you can in a tabletop. Sure. And I think that it goes in that, you know, it goes down that way. Like, I think tabletop is the least um, immersive for that kind of thing with NPCs. Sure. Anything else, Jason, from you? No, I'm good. Okay, I'm good too. I thought you just left. We're all good. <laughs> You're like, me. I'm He's done. Doing his laundry. <laughs> all right. Well, then let's let's talk a little bit about how to use NPCs, because um, there are, believe it or not, there are good ways and bad ways yeah. to use to use NPCs. Yeah. And so this is now getting into a little bit more in depth with like. Uh, these are characters that are around a little bit more than just the, you know, we're not talking about filler NPCs now. So these are going to be allies and antagonists. And um, I think since we're noting that the very first thing I want to say about how to use them is, uh, and I learned this from Carrie Uh Oh, for every antagonist NPC you have in the game, make sure that you also have one ally NPC in the game at the same level. Because otherwise you end up with a, with a world where it feels like everyone's against you yeah. as a player. Um, and the truth is, some there are always people out there who will want to help. I mean, even Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. He was oh. talking about D&D, folks. No, he was not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit. Somebody, somebody, anyone, anyone who's not me. What? So huh? I'm not the only one talking the whole what? time. Uh how how are what tell us a little bit about a good way to use npcs i love using npcs to explain the genre in the history of the setting you're in okay Ooh, how that's clear. exposition no i mean like just you know if if you have a character from a certain region how they behave should be how that region behaves so this ties a little bit into that idea that like uh, the p- players should never sh- players should always be playing the non stereotypes. Well, not they, they they don't have to play the non stereotypes, but your NPCs shouldn't be more special than your PCs. That's good advice. I absolutely agree. Like Carrie's saying, if uh, if you want to teach your players about your setting, then your the people in your setting should reflect it. Um, I used to have a really bad habit when I first started of making all my NPCs to be weird or zany or something, because then I felt like that, you know, it was fun to play that. And the, and the players liked that sort of thing for a while. You were playing a character. But at the end of the day, 
I was playing a character and they weren't really learning anything new or anything about the setting. All they were learning is Jason likes to do weird voices. <laughs> and, and you know what? That's fun for a session. But if you want, if you've got something more long-term in mind, it's not going to be fun eventually. And also when you do want to play something a little different, if they don't have something to contrast against strongly, then they're not going to understand why it's important. Yeah, they need to know the normal first. And that should be your default. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I also think, you know, connected to that, you can use, like Jason had said, use them for exposition. Like, it's okay to have, when your party walks into a village, it's okay to have them walk up to somebody, uh, just somebody random in the street and be like, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, this is, where's a good place to go? to get a beer in this town. And it's okay to have that NPC be like, well, in this town, we all hate adventurers. And so you're not going to want to go to the main saloon because that saloon is where uh, people go to die if they're adventurers. You know, like, and suddenly you've learned, like, that's not a whole, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but what you just learned was that, like, there's clearly some sort of story going on Mm -hmm. in this village because they don't like adventurers. Why don't they like adventurers? What kind of terrible game would that be? What happened in, what what happened in, what happened in this mush that Carrie runs? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but the point is though that's telling your you're using that npc to tell mm-hmm. your your players here is this thing about the world that you should know here now, always, now go figure it out i always kind of feel like npcs like in that sense are you know the story of is it stone soup where like the guy's boiling the water and he puts the stone in and then he talks about it and then someone else will add celery and someone else will add onions and keep <laughs> adding. Like, I feel like your your NPCs should be the ones just adding one flavor on a t- at a time right. into your story until your players don't realize it, but they have stone soup. Is that why sometimes like halfway through your games, people walk up to you and go, is it soup yet? Yeah. <laughs> Well, now they're going to, you jerk. Right. Um, I also think, and and connected to that, I think that you can use these NPCs to then also add flavor to the world in the story. That's what I was talking about. That's right. My stone soup flavor. Oh, I totally missed the metaphor. Yeah. (laughs) Which one of you is the writer? I don't know. I was just curious. Oh my God. That's why you were looking at me weird. Like, why the hell is she talking about? What is she talking about? It's because it's a soup. (laughs) It's, it's a soup. Artsy for him. It's a soup. Like artsy writing. It's a soup. It's, he's very, very Hemingway. I'm gonna get drunk. I'm gonna write whatever I'm thinking. Look, I'm and day that's drinking. It. I'm day drinking, Jason. <sighs> I, I, don't, I don't blame you. I would be too, but I have to go to work tomorrow now. Yeah. Well, I think those those flavors that that you add, those are what gives the the world, you know, that that feel of being real as opposed to just being this place that you made up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd like to hit on something that you were saying as a that when you have that NPC who clearly doesn't like the players, the worst thing to do is just to shut them down because you've added nothing to the scene. You should always be adding something to the scene. Mm-hmm. So like you, that guy says, well, we don't like adventures around here. So y'all better stay out of the middle of town. You're still adding something. You're still talking to them. Yeah. If you, you tell them. Like, don't go to them. the wandering goose, then they know it's the wandering goose where all the action is. Well, what's important, what's important is that NPC isn't saying this town hates adventurers, so don't come into it at all. Right. 
It's just, it's just saying, don't go to the saloon, you know? So you're not, you're, you're maybe placing limitations, but you are not shutting down Mm -hmm. the story. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, these, these things are, are what creates, this makes people invested in your game. You know, um, I also think you need to, uh, treat all of your NPCs as if they were full characters, uh, in the minute that you're running them. Yes. You know, even if you're only running that character for a minute and they'll never see it again, you know, treat it like it's a, a character. Um, you know, th- that guy that they just grabbed off the street and asked about where adventurers could go for a beer. You know, he doesn't need a sheet and a 10 page history and all that. But, you know, he can have he can still have a little spark of life. You know, like there's there can still be a voice that you do or an accent or they could have like a stupid catchphrase. Catchphrases are so good. You know, or even just a mannerism. But mm-hmm. but give them a little something to make them a person in that moment. Yep. A, a sin that a lot of us commit when we're storytelling and sometimes when we feel a little rushed is that we don't role play the encounter with the NPC. If they're actually going to have an encounter with them, role play it out. Don't just be like, this guy tells you this and move on. It's so much more satisfying if you actually have the full blown encounter with the NPC. Like you were talking about, the person doesn't have to have a 10 page history, but they have a personality, role play it. That makes it more interesting. It makes it feel more real. Okay, I'm gonna counter for a second. Fight, sure, fight, fight, fight. No, no, no. But just make sure that's what your game wants. Some games okay. don't want to have conversations with random NPCs. Some players only want to go kill the dragon. Sometimes they just want you to hand wave the trip to Walmart to get the gun. Yeah. And, you know, just be aware of what you and your players want. But I'll, t- can I add? But yeah, the, role playing is better. I'll, I'll also add kind of in, the other thing I want to add is that I've had in a LARP where I hand waved and was like, yeah, you go to Walmart and you buy the gun. That's fine. And then I've had the player go, oh, man, I was really hoping to get to role play that. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, shoot. So so in the same instance, ju- just like Carrie said, recognize that your player maybe doesn't want to role play going to Walmart. Maybe, maybe they do. Maybe they do also. So, yeah, that's good. That's good advice. So, all right, well, let's talk about how not to use an NPC. Um, so great NPCs should be likable, but not beloved. <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's like my biggest fault as a as a game runner right is like i get so excited about my npcs that i just will play them and play and i play them hard and right. then people are like i only want to role play with the npc and i'm like oh no yeah you've <laughs> got to be careful because they're ooh, not they are not pcs they are not my pc they shouldn't outshine your players yeah sorry yeah Oops. so i kind of think that uh here's here's how you could tell when an npc goes bad right they become a staple or they become a a favorite or they become a crutch yeah all right so this Mm -hmm. is kind of like how we were talking about the the three types of pcs now Mm. we're going to talk or the three types of npcs like now these are like the three three types of bad npcs so a staple is a is like a fixture right they're always there that your players expect to find them right there's nothing fun about expectation okay a little bit of that is okay because mm-hmm. that gives you the flavor. Right. But when the, I think a staple and crutches kind of fall together when it's like, well, we'll just go to the bar and ask. Right. Cause you know, Bob's always there. Well, staples become taken for granted yeah. because they're always there. Yes. 
Um, no, so you should. You're what you're trying to say is that keep in mind that these NPCs have real lives. They should go home sometimes. Yeah, they go home. Even Norm isn't there when the bar is closed. Right. Yes. The other thing to recognize is that if an NPC becomes a staple, it also tells you that your PCs keep going there. Mm -hmm. And that could be an indicator that there's an issue there. Yeah. So uh, the second thing is a favorite, right? If it becomes your favorite as the storyteller, Mm -hmm. or if it becomes your player's favorite character in the game, probably a problem. Yeah. And that's that's the one that happens to carry a lot. Is, yeah, is they be- I, uh, what happens is you know in both LARP and Mush, a lot of times I'll have people like, I want to I want a scene with Bob, and I'm like, okay, you and who else? No, just me, with the NPC, and I'm like, do you have a reason to be hanging out with Bob? <laughs> and they're like, I just want to check up on Bob, make sure he's okay, because Bob's awesome. I brought him a coffee, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Right. You know, and that's that's it's. You want your players to also be playing with other PCs. Yeah. And then the last one is a crutch. And a crutch, so a lot of times crutches are D, what they call DM NPCs or mm, DMPCs. Yeah. Uh, but crutches are NPCs that are, are problem solvers. They become the go-to person for a thing. Uh, and if you look really closely, because they're a problem solver, because they're the go-to person to accomplish something, it means they're heroes. And if your NPC is a hero, it means your PCs are Arts. not. Yeah. Uh, crutches. I say that the big solution to this is to make sure that even if the players go to a person like this, that it has a high enough cost that they feel like that they have accomplished something because they paid the cost. Right. Like, well, we can't make these magical items and we want them. And uh, we need them to defeat this big bad. Well, you can get them from your wizard friend, but he's going to make you do all these other quests first. So you're you're creating more role play instead of less. I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Yeah. it's important to note that that to be a crutch, you've got to be used more than a single time. You know, uh, because let's face it, like in Dungeons and Dragons, if a character dies, you're going to take the character to a temple to have them resurrected. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're able to, if you meet the criteria and all that stuff, if you've got so the coins. So you're going to you're going to find a priest or whatever who will cast resurrection on your party mate. And that doesn't make them a crutch. Right. What makes them a crutch is if you, if you then convince that priest to travel with the party to keep and, raising you and always you... be there when it's time to raise the dead. Right. Then it's then it's a crutch and there's it's no longer that's that's no longer a good NPC. And so Carrie has this amazing rule about what to do if one of your NPCs becomes a crutch, a staple or a favorite. And that is what, Carrie? <laughs> you kill them horribly. <laughs> The PC or the NPC? <laughs> no, the NPC. I feel like if if you have an NPC that has become more important than your PCs, it's time to go. And now I'm not just saying just have them leave. Like have it be a, something with the story. Have it enhance your game. And remember, importance is not just about uh, is a character can be important not just simply because of whatever the story main story is it could also be more important uh socially you know like what you were saying where they they just want to go hang out with him right in fact i actually when when i'm measuring in my head ooh, does this npc have to go or not 
it's actually more like how beloved are they? How crippled will everyone be? How much are they relying on this NPC? And if it goes away, what kind of drama is that going to cause? Right. Use everything you have in your toolbox for drama and NPCs mm -hmm. are your toolbox. They are. And that means they can. Yeah, I, I really like this idea because, you know, originally when I was role playing with y'all and I realized that Carrie killed all of her NPCs. <laughs> at, at first, I thought it was just to generate more drama, but it, it does help your game health when people have to rely on the other players instead of NPCs for things. Yeah. Are you talking about when I when I off Tin Roof? Oh, yeah. You that, killed was, that was a little more complicated, though. I, I think that wasn't just about the fact that people people did want to spend more time at Tin Roof than they did at the uh, Cairn, and that yeah. was a problem. Yeah. There, there was a lot going on there, but I was, yeah. I was actually really proud when I came up with that. Yeah. The great thing, the great thing about NPC death is that uh, it'll do typically one of two things, and both of these are positive outcomes. The first is it will it will force players to become more reliant on other player characters mm -hmm. right? Uh, or themselves. Yes. Uh, or the other thing it will do is it will make your PCs more invested in the story and revenge is driving. Oh, revenge is so good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they decide they need to go kill the people who killed the NPC that they loved, mm -hmm. I mean, that that's investment. It's, it's great. It's good stuff. All right, so I was you can say in Werewolf, one of the things that it really helped when y'all removed some of the higher ranking NPCs is that as, as soon as you did that, instead of people challenging those NPCs for rank, they suddenly started challenging other players, partially because that was their only choice. So it meant that the other players suddenly became more important, more prestigious, because they had these role play opportunities that before they'd been doing with the staff. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think Carrie's Carrie's guideline uh, <laughs> guideline for killing uh, probably is even more applicable to LARP and mush than it is to, to tabletop, yeah. mostly because tabletop games are often uh, in game. They are traveling yeah. to different locations, whereas like a LARP or a mush tends to be sort of has a, a home base in a city or a town or something. Yes. And so it becomes even more uh you know, it's more likely to run into those repeat business NPCs. Um, but but I think, though, that it's it's important, especially if you notice you have in a tabletop game an NPC that has joined the party. You know, it's time to evaluate. You know, sometimes that's okay for a little while. Oh, but, yeah. But always keep your yardstick out and measure. Absolutely. I mean, it, it really is just what works for your game. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if your game loves all the NPCs and will not have fun. If those NPCs aren't there, then you keep them around. On the flip side though, do not be the egotistical DM <laughs> who says things like, what? I can, I can run my, my PC as a member of their party, just running them as an NPC. Oh yeah. Never do they, that. I've never had a single complaint about that before. <laughs> Because I'm good at it. Not to you. Yeah. It's because they all wait till you leave and then they mm -hmm. complain about it. Mm -hmm. So just remember that. You're not, you're not going to hear it. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that's kind of all the, the time we have, unless you guys have any sort of like super awesome, funny, uh, favorite NPC tale you'd like to quickly share. 
I'm sure those are all Carrie's because she <laughs> runs the best NPCs. Um, I, I can just tell the story. Mean, none of Ryan's NPCs ever got killed horribly in y'all's game. That's not true. Class one bit the dust. Yeah, class one terribly. Yeah, nobody cared about class one. No, they that did. is not true. They did actually. They were pretty upset because I, I think they found his hat and like people fought over who was going to have the hat. Mm-hmm. It was pretty yeah, rough. I don't remember that. Um. The the first time I realized that I had an NPC that people were putting above the good of the story was the very first LARP I ran, the story I ran. Um, there was an NPC lupus who had given birth. So there was a litter of, of, of wolf cubs running around. And of course, all of my players were like, oh, look, wolf cubs. And I was like, all right, you know, and I just kind of let it be. I wasn't going to do anything with it, except for they kept interacting with one specific cub that I don't even remember, but they named him and they would like bring him toys. And at one point, so I said, you know what? This is bad. It's got to go. But I decided that I wanted them to all fall in love with him before I got rid of him. So you could murder him. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent like three games just having this little cub do the most cute, amazing, like heart-wrenching, like, oh, I want to bring him home. He's so adorable. Stuff like one of them got hurt and he drug over the the first aid kit, you know, like ridiculous stuff like that. And then he went missing. Oh, and you were at that game, Ryan. And he went missing. And when they finally tracked down his scent and they found him, he had been murdered. And like, he, oh, it was it was terrible. Like they found him and he had been sewn into this monstrosity. And the monstrosity was using the cub as a hand. Oh, that's awful. And, and, yeah, like, and it, it was awful. And the whole point was that it didn't even like use the cub as a head. Like it wasn't even like talking out of the cub's mouth. It was just using it for a hand. You know, like it wasn't like the focal point. And I had never seen my players out of character get so emotional at the, at the moment. Like, and I went, Oh, there's power here. Like this is, this is a, this is a really powerful tool to use as a storyteller, you know, and then they, they got to kill it and they got revenge and then they killed the thing that made the monster and they got revenge. And in the players, while they were upset that the NPC was gone, they were like, we, you know, we, we did right by him. And like, I remember that. Cause I was like, it was a little lupus cub. Like there was nothing there. Yeah. But it was children. Yeah. You know, it's an unpermissible, mm-hmm. like, yeah. and, uh, you know, today. But I was also a young storyteller right. and I wouldn't run that specific one today. Or you would check with them first. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Instead, I just murdered it. Not like when you burn out in a house full of kittens. Oh, that was awful, too. I felt so <laughs> bad afterward. I feel like these examples are just getting They're worse just, and worse. I know. Everyone's like, Carrie, Oh, goodness. Terrible. All right. Let's go to game wrap. All right, welcome to Game Wrap. <laughs> Ryan just yelled at me for being a bad storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, 
<laughs> I know, I was young. I learned. All right. Well, you can find us at honorrollpodcast.com. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and every place else. Uh, you can go to follow us on Twitter at honorrollpodcast. You can go to Twitter at honorrollpodcast. Uh, Facebook.com slash group slash honorrollpodcast. Of course, you can send us an email at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com. And you can become a patron at patreon.com slash honorrollpodcast. Otherwise, this brings us to the end uh, Carrie, I'm going to uh, do Jason first this week. Oh my gosh! Yeah, All right. Jason, uh, you get you get one experience. You always do Jason first. <laughs> Jason, you get one experience point, uh, and then also let's see what you roll That's- on the magic item chart. Oh, nice! A thirty foot ungrounded extension cord. That's good. That's pretty good. I've got plenty of those, and it's orange. Ooh. I like that. You know what they're good for? Yeah. Jumping out of an airplane with. Nice. It'll get hung up on something. <laughs> right, Trust me. Art. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carrie, you get one experience point. All right. Oh, a wing of, of a ring of three wishes. That's good. I, what? All right. Wait, 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 wait. I never get good things. She'll just use it to burn down a house full of kittens. No. <laughs> they were cats, not kittens. Oh, okay. <laughs> I learned my lesson. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. Uh, if it helps one time, I as an NPC, I gave someone a chicken, and they named, and then they named it a piece. Does that help? Doesn't help at all. Oh. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. All right. Well, join us next week when Carrie does her live play for, no. of, of GURPS, running it for Jason and I. No. Uh, until next time, I'm Ryan the Curmudgeon. Carrie's the legend. Jason's the favorite. Remember, the only way to win a role-playing game is to have fun. I'm going to go be on another podcast. The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on the road again. Tabletop, lot motion, everything in between. Have fun with my friends.